Welcome to Cinema of Meaning, the podcast that seeks to explore the depths of what cinema has to offer. My name is Tom, you may know me as the creator of Like Stories of Old, and I'm joined by fellow video essayist Thomas Flight to talk about Zack Snyder's 300. But before we begin, quick announcement, Cinema of Meaning now has its own Patreon page, where for just $2 a month you can join our private community to chat about movies with us and with other listeners, to receive announcements about upcoming episodes so you can watch along with us, and to get a vote in what movies we cover in our bonus episodes. So if you want to help us keep this show going and become part of the Cinema of Meaning community, visit patreon.com slash cinemaofmeaning or follow the link in the show notes to learn more. Okay, now, 300. I saw this movie when I was 15 years old. I saw it in theaters, like, three times maybe. It was a movie I was anticipating it a lot. It had such a cool trailer back then. And when I saw it in theater, I thought it was just the coolest movie I'd ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) But Thomas, you only saw it last week for the first time and you had different feelings about it, right? Yes. It's funny you say that because one of the things I thought while I was watching it was I Mm -hmm. think I would have really thought this was cool when I was 15 (laughs) (laughs) or like if I had been able to watch this when I was a teenager, I think I would have really loved it. Watching it now... I had very mixed feelings about it. It's highly stylized, obviously. You've got the mm-hmm. the Zack Snyder look kind of really cranked up. It looks like a comic book in a lot of ways, which is, I believe, what the source material is. So, you know, it has huge speed ramps, like blood flying everywhere, all these like incredibly stylized sequences. So that style is kind of carrying the film in a lot of ways. I mean, there's, there's obviously mm-hmm. thematic content and plot and stuff that's happening which we'll we'll dive into but the look and feel of it and kind of getting into that and being excited by it i think is a big part of the what the appeal of this movie would be mm-hmm. for me personally at least you know maybe i wasn't in the right headspace or whatever for it but i was just like not able to like get into that aspect of the film i don't think it's like i mean there's some shots in this where i was like that's very cool but as mm-hmm. a whole Overall, I just never got invested in like the style and the kind of hype of the movie. And I think when you leave that element out, I felt very conflicted about what it has left to offer outside of that. Mm, So I can definitely see why people were excited about it or got really hyped on it. But I think there's an interesting discussion to have about, you know, what that conveys, what the style conveys and sort Mm -hmm. of the the thematic content here. I totally get where you're coming from. And I agree that re-watching it now, it, it, it's dated a little bit in a purely technical sense, I think, because it's it came out when digital cameras were just becoming a thing. Like it's yeah. clear that the image is just not as as clear as, as film or, or movies that were filmed on actual film or uh, when you compare them to better digital cameras now, it just, it, it lacks a bit of quality. I think they try to make up for it by adding a lot of fake grain, but yeah, that also kind of stands out now because you can tell it's it's not real and so it looks very over-processed in some way, I think. It does get away with it for me because it's just so well stylized in the sense of compositions and just the way Zack Snyder frames his shots and 
creates a certain flow with his sequences. Like there's a lot of an almost musical rhythm to a lot of the scenes, which I really like, especially at the beginning where there's the stuff that in, in any other movie would be the, the sort of boring setup for the actual action that comes later. And yet Snyder somehow manages to make everything feel interesting in its own way. And you even get uh, the whole This is Sparta scene, for example, with the messenger that became iconic in its own right. And somehow, or, or, or because of Zack Snyder's directorial vision, that's what became iconic. So there's a lot to love still in terms of stylization, I think. Now, even the way the story is set up, it's kind of grim with the opening about the, the Spartan child culture, I guess. Yeah. Where the, the weak babies are discarded and then the young boys who are left, they grow up in this harsh environment where they have to fight to prove themselves and they have to undergo these really rigorous trainings. And th there's obvious issues there when you start to look at it from a social political lens, I guess. But it does in the in, in just... As a story, it kind of opens, I, th I think it's still a beautiful opening in the sense that it feels like this dark Disney movie almost, or this twisted fable. Yeah, yeah. But it's clearly framed as something mi mythological or otherworldly almost. To me, it's still pretty cool, but you definitely run into issues when you look at it with a more adult lens, I think. <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's a lot of, it's interesting to compare how I watched movies back then versus how I do it now. Yeah. Um, even from a just purely uh, media literacy angle, like there's a lot of things I didn't even notice at first, where, like the way the opening when uh, you have young Leonidas fighting against the wolf. And I didn't think at all that about the way that scene kind of forms a microcosm for the the, the setup for the the actual battle with Leonidas backing up into that little mountain pass or ravine and then that's how he can defeat the bigger more violent or more dangerous wolf by luring him into it and then taking his advantage that's it's kind of the setup for the the, the the main conflict that comes later but yeah that's that's the kind of stuff I didn't even think about when I was watching yeah. the movie as a as a young teenager I just thought like oh wow this this is cool <laughs> yeah look at it yeah. do the sword fighting and <laughs> But yeah. to be fair, this was, I think, or at least as far as I can remember, this was one of the first movies to really, really show the choreography of sword fighting and that kind of deliberate battle with the, the way they stand with the shields and those whole battle scenes. Because yeah. up until then, you had movies like maybe Gladiator or Braveheart, which were all very good, but the actual fighting was or was often more like random clashing of swords and you, they didn't focus as much on specific techniques uh they being the filmmakers or the uh, yeah but but i guess that in in those movies it didn't serve as the story as much but in 300 it, there's obviously a lot of focus on how the spartans were these larger than life warriors and so it was really cool as a as someone as, who was 15 and who had seen a lot of movies like that to finally see a movie that really also romanticizes or glorifies even that kind of direct hand-to-hand -hand combat in yes. such a stylized way which uh, and it still looks pretty good and you can see if you compare it to like 300 rise of an empire the movie that came after which wasn't directed by snyder but it still tried to mimic that same style but it felt flat because of it just wasn't the same as the first one which also yeah. shows or at least to me reveals something about the way 
Zack Snyder did manage to capture a certain magic there that isn't as easily replicated as it might appear on the surface. Because there's there's been tons of other media that have ever since incorporated that kind of, how did you call it? The When it goes from like slow motion to super fast oh, back to slow motion. Ramp. Yeah, that yeah. technique has been used a lot. The slow motion fighting or just the general focus on individual fighting, that's been done to death at this point. But yeah, yeah. It, it's... I still appreciate 300, if not for just being the first to really um, achieve something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, I won't knock, I won't necessarily knock, I'm not knocking the style, I guess, is what I would say. Hmm. I think it's well, everything you said about it, I would agree with is true, like is well directed and those scenes are well constructed and you can see the echoes of that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I think Zack Snyder has been influential since this film. Not very few people mimic this specific style, mm -hmm. but elements of that, like you mentioned, like the speed ramping and things like that have become more prominent within, especially action. Uh, if you watch something like, you know, Bullet Train or something in that vein these days, you'll see elements of this kind of more stylized action, uh, which mm -hmm. I think you're correct to point out wouldn't have been used very heavily pre like 2006 before this era. I think it does. It, an interesting thing that I thought about was I'm coming at this familiar with Snyder, some of Snyder's later work in this mm -hmm. same vein. And I think he's gotten better oh, at doing yeah. this style. So instead of this being my introduction to it, it's like looking at a prototype for you know, I don't I don't think the Snyder version of Justice League is like a particularly amazing movie, but there's portions of that that look good. And mm -hmm. in and he's doing this same thing in a in a way that technically I think is more perfected, like the, the, the technology has just advanced in terms of visual effects and uh, digital cameras. So he's doing the same kind of heavy compositing, speed ramping cameras flying around but it all kind of looks a little bit more cohesive. So yeah, I have a very different lens, I think, coming at this movie where mm -hmm. the style isn't new. It's, you know, it's something I'm already familiar with. So instead of getting the introduction to it through this, I'm kind of looking at, which I can still appreciate the formation of that, mm -hmm. but that definitely colored my perception of it, I think. Yeah, I can imagine it feels a bit clunky in hindsight and especially also the staging and the way the sets are very clearly fake right like at no yes. point does it feel like you're standing in an actual right. place outside of a studio and it doesn't bother me when i'm watching the movie but i guess that's if you look at it now without having any prior uh, experience with it it can feel a bit uh prototypish for something else i guess i should say i don't need a movie to have a naturalistic style or realism i like mm -hmm. very heightened styles and I can appreciate that that's not what this movie is trying to do. It's, like I said, presenting itself almost as a comic book, almost as a myth, like a story mm. of images. And there are moments where I think that that works really well. So I think to get to, I guess, the real conflicted feelings I have about it, because that mm -hmm. stuff is cool. And there is a time where I could see myself having been very invested in the coolness of the fighting or the action, I think where I feel most conflicted about that is in looking at that within the totality of the film, taking into account sort of the thematic things where 
I'm not sure. I'm going to mm-hmm. say something and then maybe we'll talk about it and untease the the film as a whole. But I'll I'll say this at the beginning yeah. and then maybe that'll start off the, the discussion. But I was watching this and I was like, I think this movie and maybe this isn't a hot take. I haven't I just watched it. So I haven't listened <laughs> to a lot of the discussions around this movie surrounding this film. Mm-hmm. But I think this movie promotes like an ethic, essentially, that I actively disagree with, like that I that I personally mm-hmm. think is, um, I don't want to use too strong terms, but is not good. Mm-hmm. So, and that is tied, that is kind of inex- inseparably tied to the glorification of the violence, which is on one hand kind of what makes it cool, but on the other hand, what makes me resistant to, to fully mm-hmm. being able to get invested in it. So... I'd be interested to talk about that. Yeah. If you thought about what the movie was kind of saying when you were first watching it and how that compares to how you feel about it now or what you see in the movie now. Yeah, there's there's a definite conflict between what the movie shows you on an emotional level and gets you invested in on an emotional level and what it's kind of communicating to you intellectually and on a more political level. And I think that's especially been an issue in Zack Snyder's later films, um, especially Watchmen. I think there it's been, Watchmen has been more strongly criticized for having the essentially the same issue where Zack Snyder seems to want to portray both a meaningful story that's critical or, or at least commenting on a variety of like political and social issues while also making everything look super cool and making all the violence and the the action really exciting and intense and exhilarating and yeah those two obviously clash with each other because Watchmen is obviously this great critique of the superhero but with if you imagine 300 style in on that movie you can kind of see where the conflicts are starting uh, already and uh, it, it's you can I guess you can also see it in his later movies or the superhero movies, but I think he's at his best when he's doing a more archetypal story, which I think is why also his Justice League movie works really well because you just have the evil villain who wants to do evil stuff, and you have the good guys, and then you when you have a style that's visually the way that it is, it's I was gonna say simplistic, but that's that's not to say that it's technically simplistic, but it's simplistic as in in the sense that it shows the heroes in a glorified yes. way and it shows the villains in a villainous way in an almost cartoonishly evil frame sometimes especially in 300 where you have Xerxes obviously looks like this weird type of a man I yeah. guess and all his his generals look weird and ugly and deformed and his elite warriors are these faceless, soulless creatures, and he seems to be the, the mirror opposite or the counter image of what the Spartans represent, who who are obviously these more pure, like good looking men who are well trained and they have the nice capes and the beard. <laughs> um, not all of them, yeah. by the way, but <laughs> they are the like the good looking manly men and everything else is ugly and um and and, and, and also morally the opposite of them so yeah bringing that back to 300 there's an interesting conflict there between Zack Snyder essentially showing you a society that you would definitely not want to be a part of at least for most people because it's very uh, unequal and uh, oppressive in some ways it's even I think the the real Sparta was even worse than it's 
portrayed yeah. here, it's obviously still a romanticized um, vision of what real Sparta was like. They kind of enhanced the 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 maybe the the noble parts about uh, raising your children to be courageous or something like that, while kind of brushing aside that it's it's not ending well for everyone yeah. in that society. Yeah. It's uh, so yeah. What I think when I saw this, when I saw the movie for the first time, I did notice. Like it, it's hard not to notice that the movie presents a society that's not ours, where there's different rules, different laws, um, different, uh, just a different culture. Um, but I think back then I wasn't really thinking about how that affected my viewing experience. Like maybe in, in some ways I, like uh, this is really a movie for me that has me conflicted about the way I might watch movies yeah. in general because it's easy to say like oh back then I was a dumb little boy who didn't understand movies and now I'm smart and now I can see the movie for what it really is. <laughs> but but at the same time, I also feel, I sometimes feel like I might be overthinking stuff and that maybe you can also, I think it's, I, I, I do think it's fine that you can enjoy a movie without worrying too much about the politics right, or right. about the messages it conveys and that you can say or that you can recognize it's kind of maybe like the northman that you can yes. tell like this is a society that's not like ours that's not supposed to be or that's not ideal an ideal image of what our society could be it's just a different one and we can still immerse ourselves in it for 90 minutes or two hours and then come back out of it without being indoctrinated by weird fascist ideas right. or something like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> we sometimes underestimate that humans are capable of doing that transition without it becoming too problematic but on the other hand yeah it's i'm not sure what i i, I do recognize it more now obviously the way the movie portrays very strongly portrays certain ideas that i wouldn't agree with necessarily or that that are just ethically, just plain ethically wrong, like the disposing of the weaker right. in the society or the, the, the kind of purification process that happens to get a breed like warrior Spartans like that and the romanticization of violence, the suppression of women or at least some women, uh, like the, the Oracle one that's kind of uh, uh, offered as meat to these, I forget what, what they were called, the ugly man yeah, at the top of the remember. tower or yeah. the mountain. The way it shows that they're supposed to be fighting for democracy and freedom, and yet you have it also shows the necessity of a strong Leonidas type man to step in and secure that those ideals, like that democracy cannot save itself by itself. Yeah. It relies on this authoritarian figure to step in and correct democracy where it went wrong or uh, it, it has to protect the democracy that's corrupted by the, the, the other laws or whatever those oracle people were supposed to represent. Yeah, there, there's a lot to unpack there and I'm still not sure how to make sense of it all. Yeah, well, I think this was something I was thinking about watching it was that I'm not sure, mm -hmm. like, it feels like the movie itself is kind of conflicted about the perspective that it wants to have to some degree where, mm -hmm. you know, there's just kind of this tension between being a Spartan for Leonidas between like being a Spartan citizen and sort of the glory of mm -hmm. Sparta and Greece and democracy and that being and fr the freedom of the individual and that being kind of what he's trying to defend ultimately. Yeah. So like there's this sense in which he's going out to battle to defend them from being from being enslaved by Persia 
essentially. And it's kind of, in mm-hmm. that sense, it's like it's easy to see what he's doing as like beneficial or necessary potentially or something like that. Mm-hmm. But then there's this there's this tension there where in order to do that, like you said, it's it's relying on an ethic of strength uh, kind of above all else and militarism and this kind of extreme glorification of like valor and duty. Mm-hmm. And uh, I forget who it is that says that there was a line somewhere where somebody says freedom isn't free. It comes at the highest of cost, yeah. the cost of blood. I think that's the, the queen yes. who said it. Yeah. Yeah. One more cinema of meaning? Well, Tom and I record an entire bonus episode every month. And the best way to get those bonus episodes is on Nebula. And you can sign up for Nebula right now with the link down in our description. Nebula is an online streaming service created by creators like Tom and I, where we can publish our work early and without any ads. You can see our normal YouTube work there and listen to our podcast on Nebula early and without any ads but you also get access to a monthly bonus episode when you listen on Nebula. In our bonus episodes, we've talked about movies like 2001 A Space Odyssey, Drive, Alien Covenant, and a bunch of others. So check out those episodes now by listening on Nebula. The best way you can get access to Nebula right now is through the Curiosity Stream bundle. Curiosity Stream is a streaming service dedicated to bringing you wonderful documentaries. And when you sign up for Curiosity Stream using our code, you'll also get access to Nebula. The entire bundle for the two streaming services is available for less than $15 for the entire first year. You can sign up for that bundle right now at curiositystream.com slash cinema of meaning or click the link in the description below. And also like the democracy within the film is kind of painted as this like feeble like sort of mm-hmm. dece- able to be deceived. Yeah, it, it's not grounded in true virtue, yes. according to the movie. Yeah. yeah, because that's only what you get when you have the Spartan training. Right. It's it's a fun, maybe a fun historical fact to note here is that that whole training session that the children go to or the the boys go through at a young age, it's not the upper or the ruling classes were generally uh, exempt from it. They didn't have to do it. It was only for the lower class and the general citizens that had to send their boys to do it training like that. But uh, Leonidas, he wasn't the, because he wasn't the firstborn son to his parents, he apparently did have to go through that training. Right. And then I, he ended up becoming king through reasons I don't remember. But uh, anyways, it turns out that he uh, was one of the few ruling class people or the, one of the few kings who actually went through that harsh training himself which i guess kind of adds to him being a bit of an underdog character even right. as the, the head of the state yeah, yeah. um so to say which i guess contributes to him being a bit of an outsider in his own political uh, political game i guess it is but you know yeah there's aspects of that if you're facing the actual reality of like this outside forces coming in to enslave you like Defending yourself, there's a sense in which rebellion and defending yourself against that, I think, are good, mm-hmm. are fine to do. Yeah. Like, I think it's okay to to protect your community from tyranny, outside tyranny, mm-hmm. if that's being imposed. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think if I, have, if I have a reaction against, I think, what this movie sort of presents, like, that tiny piece of context is mostly like 
feels like it's there as an excuse for the overall presentation of like like look at these muscly men like sticking swords through other people mm -hmm. which can be cool but <laughs> there's there's an aspect to that of like when you valorize that above everything else like that that to mm -hmm. me is an element of like i think i i would have been very caught up in that at some point in my life or like found that to be cool but that's a mm -hmm. that's an element of like my conception of like masculinity or purpose that I think yeah. I've actively tried to like disengage from not not that strength can't be positive qualities or that, you know, mm -hmm. virtue and duty like there there's good elements mixed in there. It's all mixed together. But ultimately, yeah. I think what the style of the movie does is elevate the the capacity for strength and violence to the highest importance because the other things are just kind of mentioned. And then, but what we mm -hmm. see is the violence, like the violence is the bulk of what we're shown and the bulk of what's focused on. That's the part that I'm, I, that elevated above all else. And that being like, this is necessary for freedom mm. to even exist is the part of it that yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll put a little asterisk here saying like to what you said earlier, I'm not saying this to mm -hmm. say that nobody can or should watch this movie or enjoy it. I don't think it's an issue of like, this is kind of like my Top Gun Maverick take to a, to a certain extent. I think audiences are allowed to engage with a movie like this or or when we talked about Drive in the bonus episode. You can engage with a movie like this and then walk away from it and mm -hmm. you know not internalize sort of the the ethic or the 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 values that it's promoting. And I think that's fine. I don't really not like casting judgment on that. And with something like Drive, that's a movie where I do get sort of more caught up in that fantasy. But mm -hmm. there are some movies where with this one, I guess at this where I am now in my life or watching it at this stage of my life and not having that touchstone with it, I didn't get caught up in it. And so what it's presenting to me, I have more of a just gut like reaction against that to some degree kind of prevents me from like fully and in hmm. getting invested in or enjoying the story. But I like that you mentioned the Northman too, because that's, mm -hmm. that's a good, also a counterpoint of like that. It's a similar movie that I was able to get more caught up in. And it does kind of similarly valorize like strength and like, it's, it's a little bit of a different story because it's revenge instead of mm -hmm. like duty or like glory through yes. dying in battle. Yeah. But it's a similar, there's definitely a similar thing going on. So I think my qualms with this movie ultimately might be like aesthetic where it's just like for some reason mm -hmm. this one didn't like tap into the nerve mm -hmm. and so therefore it's easy for me to be like oh yeah it's it's <laughs> it's not a yeah <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I think also the difference is or, or maybe where some of the conflict comes from is because beneath the politics of the conflict presented in the movie and the kind of cultures that are at clash with each other there is a very simple archetypal story that is very easy to agree with and right. that's just the the underdog fights against a larger more dangerous force that's trying to tyrannically overthrow yeah, the yeah. former one and it's it, it's just so easy to get up get caught up in that because especially when one when the underdog is framed as morally correct whereas the other is just violent and destructive and oppressive and ugly and all those things it's it's, it's, it's so easy to just go along with it and not question the actual 
dynamics that are right. going on there. And that's not an argument to say like, oh, we should have, maybe sh the United should have submitted to Borussia. Maybe we should have done compromise instead of right. battle because sometimes that's just the way it is. Sometimes there's a bully and you have to stand up to it. So that uh, it, the problem is not that that archetype is a false one. It's just that it can be, it's so easily used to deceive you almost from the other elements that are going on in the story. Um, and you mentioned the, the the stuff about the masculinity earlier, and that's uh, thinking back on when I first saw it, or uh, the first couple of times that I saw it uh, when I was a young teenager, that's probably what I internalized more about it, not so much the political stuff, because, right. you know, that all that stuff felt far away and distant. I, you know, I was too young to really care about politics and that kind of stuff anyway, and I didn't live in a, still don't live in a uh, militaristic society. So all that stuff is, for me, was easier to brush off, I guess. But the stuff of the, the stuff about masculinity, that definitely planted like a little seed about what cool men are supposed to look like. And I remember like, uh, when I was 18, that's when I really started going to the gym. And uh, I would often like as just before I left for the gym, I would as motivation watch like some clips from 300, like some of the battle scenes to get me like, you know, riled up and ready to go. And then I would hit the gym and um, get the Spartan look, so to say. <laughs> And got pretty close too for a while there, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's funny how that kind of, or the moment you become more familiar with powerlifting and that kind of stuff and the male physique and what it looks like, what it looks like and what it can achieve. It's, it's funny how you look back now at a movie like 300 and now, whereas at first that sense of this, all these men are super muscular and overwhelming and daunting and it can kind of, uh, yeah, as I said, it's kind of overwhelming, but now looking back on it, you can kind of tell like, oh, that guy wasn't as good a shape as the other right. ones. <laughs> oh, I kind of looked, I, like I, I pretty much achieved the look of some of the lesser, the, the more scrawny Spartans, uh -huh. I guess. Like like Michael Fassbender, for example, he, which was his first feature role, by the way, I think his in uh, 300. Oh, I didn't, I didn't and, uh, you know, the, the other guy who he's kind of buddies with, like the younger ones, they, you know, they're muscular, they look great, right. but that's... Once you know more about the male body, I guess it you can kind of tell like, oh, that's yeah. eighty percent lighting. Like he isn't right. that. Leonidas, <laughs> however, he did that was like the the true king in terms of physique, but he probably juiced it up a little, I guess. When in doubt, when it comes to Hollywood physiques, you know they've probably, probably. used uh, extracurricular yeah. <laughs> uh, items and. Uh, but that that's yeah. kind of part of the issue too, I guess, with Hollywood in general, where they kind of promote these male bodies to young men who then may see that as as aspirational uh, while not clearly make or not making clear that it's either the result of years of rigorous training with personal diets uh, or personal dietitians and personal trainers and loads and loads of money and time and attention and even then there's probably even some um forbidden steroids yeah. or stuff like that involved it. There's, there's a lot of different things you can take. It's quite messed up how they don't represent or they, I guess they don't communicate as honestly to young men that these are achievable physiques for the average gym goer or even the more uh, fanatic one who does want to stay um, natural, so to say, and stay healthy. But physically, I wasn't growing up, I wasn't in a position to even try to achieve that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But I did get sort of romanced by other Greek adjacent, Spartan adjacent, like, 
you know, the stoicism and some of those ideas would have been, mm. or, or at least my feeble understanding of it, you know, or misunderstanding of it, the pop psych understanding of it would have been like kind of romantic to me as like a 15 year old. And that part mm. of, there's these images of masculinity that you might see at different times. A lot of them I think why a lot of them get such a stronghold on people is because they have some kind of grounding in something that or can be positive, which is like, hey, fitness is good. Mm -hmm. You know, like having an ability to having a modicum of like ability to maintain yeah. calm or control over your emotions instead of just like blowing off the handle is good. Uh, generally, though, so you you can like personal responsibility usually is like is good but then you can take those things and amp them up into this kind of like intense form without mm -hmm. balancing them in anything else then you can have like you know a blind obsession with strength and nothing else or a fear yeah. of emotion or like actually repressing emotion instead of having a healthy relationship mm -hmm. with it and I think all of these things are kind of traps that it's easy for young guys to fall into, especially when mm -hmm. they don't have, there's not like good healthy examples of masculinity for them to engage with. And what they're left with is, you know, the media. <laughs> A lot of mm -hmm. talk is given to how like there's not, there's not represent like women are underrepresented in the stories in Hollywood mm -hmm. have been traditionally, which is a problem and something that is slowly being improved upon. But to some degree, uh, to some degree, a lot of the stories that men have been given uh, are ultimately like in some, in some ways, maybe I shouldn't get into that. <laughs> That's too deep of a rabbit hole for this discussion. And I would have to think about it a little bit mm -hmm. more uh, before we yeah. go down that that so i'll backtrack on that a little bit yeah i'll i'll, I'll say about the 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 issue of male physiques and being inspired by it to go to the gym and work out while coming to realize that the ideals that you started out with were yes. unobtainable in the long run i i'm still not sure about to what extent i would actually see that as harmful at least i i wouldn't say in my personal experience that i was harmed by those visions of uh, masculinity, in, at least in the purely physical terms. We can talk about the more emotional side of it maybe afterwards, but because I I ended up like, I, I really liked going to the gym when I was in my younger 20s and uh, had a lot of friends there. Uh, it was also, it also became this social experience. And I, I just, I felt better being in shape than when I, being out of yeah. shape or in my uh, in my case, I was like a really skinny uh, dude before I started lifting, and now I still am pretty skinny. But I'm at least there's like some shape to my body that wouldn't be there if I hadn't pushed it in any way because I I, I wasn't into sports at all uh, as a teenager. So in that sense, the uh, you can wonder to what extent uh, you can blame a movie for being harmful when when it did push you to do something that ultimately benefited right. you because once you start once you start working out and you've done it for a year you you learn more about the culture and the actual sport then you kind of snap out of those initial images anyways like you you come to understand through your own experience what is attainable and what yeah. isn't and you run into that 
anyways, regardless of what kind of expectations you take into it or bring into it. But yeah, it, it's definitely true that, or I can at least I can imagine that it might be uh, that for others there might this might have been a different story where they did get hung up and ultimately demotivated by overly aspirational goals that they couldn't live up to, and they might have felt that they might have felt disappointed by or even. Uh, experienced more serious harm from in terms of self-confidence or uh, their general mental well-being. So I'm always I'm always conflicted about where that line is between aspirations or presenting a culture or a group of people with icons or ideals to aspire to without those turning into unhealthy pressures that ultimately harm an individual yeah. who cannot live up to them. So that's always a balance that I'm, I'm 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 struggling with a bit. Like, where does one become the other? Does can you even separate uh, the two when the same ideal might be achievable for the one person but not for the other? And why is that? Like, you can obviously talk about if you set the ideal of an ideal man as a strong muscular type. Like, what does that mean for? the FELTs in the society, so to say. The FELTs is the character who, the, the hunchback who wants to join the Spartans, but he can't because uh, he's deformed. But uh, more importantly, he is too weak to raise a shield. Um, th- there's an interesting conflict there as well. Like how does, because at the same time, the movie does show Leonidas as making a valid point. Like he doesn't, he isn't like, oh, go away, you ugly creature right. or whatever. He ex explains to him like pretty respectfully and calmly and with logic and reason like okay you, you know we we fight as one uh this this whole tactic only works if everyone can raise their shield and if we all work as one um one soldier so to say and we cannot have a weak link in there so that's it's nothing personal but we just uh, you can still do other stuff but you just cannot be a soldier on the front line it's just that's a point like not everyone can do everything i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing but that's just the way things are sometimes to the movie's credit it is kind of the spartan inability to give fialty a like a path mm-hmm. that feels mm-hmm. like purpose to him that opens him up to being romanced by xerxes which is ultimately sort of the downfall of mm-hmm. the 300 like yeah that is what opens up a weakness. So there's a way in which you could kind of argue like the Spartan culture would be stronger if they had a way to um, kind of provide a more universal purpose for everyone. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like within the current framework, it's like you only get the glory and the valor if you can fight and die in battle, basically. The only way to get that is if you're already a strong, capable person and a man and so because they can't, you know, he, he's like, oh, well, you could you could tend to the sick or whatever. But that's not within mm-hmm. the Spartan framework. Tending to the sick is not what, you know, is not where the glory is. And so a yeah. more a more fully fleshed out like idea of purpose and meaning, if they had one mm-hmm. and Fialti found purpose and meaning in whatever way he could participate within the society would potentially protect the society from you know him going off and becoming a traitor and and exposing their vulnerability or whatever yeah they probably could have 
communicated it a little bit clearer. I do think the movie does portray it a little bit as Leonidas as being as reasonable as he and can fo- be. And yeah. Fialtis is just salty about not being getting what right. he wants. So it, it does portray him that he's not just uh, physically incapable, but he's also morally yes. incapable yeah. to transcend his ego in that sense or or in that case or something like that and that's he he's not just shown as incapable of being part of the society right. but also uh, incapable of being then the 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 bigger or the better man yeah. so to say that is what i think i'm pointing at when i say say like this movie promotes ultimately an ethic that i that i disagree with which is to everything you said about like motivation towards building strength and and physicality and like Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff is great but at the end of the day like i don't think strength is not a virtue like self-discipline might be a virtue Mm -hmm. or being able to stick with difficult tasks might be a virtue but just the ability to have or or create strength in and of itself Mm -hmm. i don't think is a virtue or if you if you especially even if it is, if especially if you elevate that to a sort of ultimate virtue, that's where you get into a very dark space where suddenly, you know, suddenly weakness yep. is not a not a condition, but a moral failing. As soon as you start to as soon as you start to insinuate that weakness, physical weakness or physical inability, a personal or mm-hmm. moral failing, then you get into some very dark territory and some very dark behavior on a personal or societal level can be justified through that. And I think like that's the worst, that's the, that's the worst like possibility of, of kind of what is presented um, in this sort of like view of things, the Spartan view of things. I mean, yeah, yeah, that, that's what I noticed more this time around when watching the movie that it does really emphasize the or that weakness and emotionality for specifically for men is a sign of weakness like it constantly reaffirms that oh he doesn't say goodbye to his wife because he's too tough of a man and then you know there's a couple of moments there where they it, it almost feels like they should or they want to express something but they are holding back because that's not the spartan way and you you might even argue that the movie is trying to criticize it somewhat because it does show they're not straight up acting like i have nothing to say to you woman i'm off to fight like it does show there's some repressed emotion there's some love that he wants to express but he doesn't feel able to and especially with leonidas or or the captain is actually the first he who kind of breaks uh, when his son dies and the whole idea of like oh he's my son i have others to replace him i don't care about what happens to him death is kind of subverted there where it does actually happen and then you know he he just completely gives into his emotions but that moment is kind of turned back around when he speaks to Leonidas and he's like, I've, I, now I, my heart is filled with hate and Leonidas is just good. like, oh, <laughs> good, good, yeah, <laughs> my man. <laughs> but then at the very end, Leonidas himself, just before he dies, he finally talks out loud to his the things that he wants or that he wanted to have say, said to his wife. He does, his final words are an expression of emotion of love or of something that he couldn't have said earlier if he just sticked to himself being the true spartan that he is supposed to be so uh, yeah i'm not sure it it, it does again feel like the movie is trying to have it both ways and 
I, I, I don't know what to make of it. It's but that that's the stuff that I might have been influenced by, not directly, but at least, but a little bit more when what, once you go into that culture of working out right. and being only like focused on your physique and becoming like the optimal alpha male or whatever, like that's, I, I, I've kind of snapped out of it now or gradually grown disinterested in it. It's interesting that I, when I started, I had a big social circle there, but the kind of, some friends, they kind of fell off. And the ones that I'm left with were exactly the guys who I would talk with about stuff other than right. fitness and working out. And the kind of the guys that I didn't or that I failed to connect with in the long term were, were only the guys who, when I saw them or when we talked about them, even outside of the gym, they would only talk about bodybuilding or other bodybuilders or physiques and fitness, or, you know, the whole shebang. And so there is I, I did notice also in myself, there was an element of narcissism there where you become too concerned with yourself, the way you look towards the outside world. And there is a Spartan element there in the sense that, or as, at least as it is presented in 300, in the, in the sense that you feel like you have to communicate your masculinity or your, especially like, or specifically your superior mas masculinity to the outside world you have to show that you're like a little bit stronger a little bit tougher a little bit more manly than the other ones and now of course i realize that's mostly nonsense like i've i still like go to the gym i still think it's important to work out and stay healthy but the the, the mindset has changed like significantly since i since those years where i first got into it and got kind of caught up in the in the culture for a bit so in so yeah i think that's in hindsight were probably more of my real issues with 300 lie in not in the sense that it communicates a political right. idea or even a straight up uh, fascist society that values the strong and disposes of the weak but because you know, I, maybe that's just me but I, I i've always been able to brush that off pretty easily maybe it's because of like we've talked as we talked about in the in the top gun maverick episode that's just not the culture that i come from that's feels too far removed from my own lived experience. So all that stuff kind of feels like fantasy to me. I can enjoy it for a bit and then snap out of it without yeah. uh, changing my vote in the <laughs> next election. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, there, it's more about, I guess, the underlying psychological and emotional messages, right. I guess, that are present there and that do take hold of you subconsciously, even when you might feel that they are not. And that's something that I do think is worth examining and worth being wary of. As you said earlier, it's not to say that 300 is a, at least for me, it's not a worse movie because of it. Um, I still, like <laughs> the last time, when I rewatched it last week, I still enjoyed it as much as I did when I was 15. Like I still got caught up in the in the action and the way Zack Snyder creates that spectacle and the coolness, I guess, of it all, the, the badassery that's on display there. Uh, just because it, it's such an effective film at really building up the reputation of the Spartans and then delivering on it in the action scenes. Like the way uh, Xerxes really throws his... At first, his slave army at them, thinking hey, they'll be overrun in a second, and then the growing desperation on his face as he realizes, oh no, these these guys aren't so easily defeated. And then it's just wave after wave, and every every new wave. And also, by the way, it's a great masterclass, I think, in doing action with variety and keeping it fresh and uh, exciting. But it's just, I, I don't think there's any other movie like it that just throws wave after wave 
upon a character or a group of characters like that and have it only reaffirm what those characters yeah. are. In, in that sense, all the action scenes are character building in some way, even though it might become a bit uh, repetitive at some point, like uh, once you've seen them take down the rhino and the elephants and the magicians and then the other soldiers and then more slaves. And then at, at some point you you get it like, okay, okay, the, these guys are great fighters. The other ones are not. We could probably have done without a few of those scenes, but at the same time, I, uh, I wouldn't know which one I'd cut out of it. I'd, uh, they're all pretty amazing. I agree with you what you said earlier where like politically i think like this is way too messy of a movie in terms of like what it's mm -hmm. saying politically i don't and i don't think it's even really setting out to say something specific politically or at least if it is it's not doing that mm -hmm. clearly for me to be like ooh this movie promotes like fascism or something like that and i don't really get that concerned yeah. about that because like i said earlier it's like yeah, the Spartan, the Spartan, actual Spartan society, it's problematic, but I don't think anybody's walking away from this movie going <laughs> like, we need to start yeah. a eugenics program or something like that, like, and only keep the, yeah. the, the strong people. And mm -hmm. like, and when you frame the overall context of like, what's happening politically in this movie is like, a tyrant overlord, like trying to come in and like enslave a people. And within that context, it's like there are aspects of like, oh, OK, yeah, like fighting for your country's freedom is not like you can that narrative can be twisted into an excuse for militarism, which is what the United States has done at, at certain periods of time. But you can also see like, you know, there's conflict going. There's a war happening in the world right now where, you know, we we're not like oh, Ukraine just needs to give in to Russia because, you know, it's bad to, to fight and that would be fascist. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, it's not. You can defend the sort of democracy of the situation from tyranny. Like, I think that's fine. So it's anyway, mm -hmm. all, all that to say, it's like in this movie, the political stuff is way too messy for it to be like, you know, yeah. it all, it, it's not, yeah, it's just, a, it's just messy. But uh, I do agree with you that like, where it gets more sticky is with the individual stuff and like what you might internalize in terms of like what you mm -hmm. would want to model if you are caught up in that like spectacle of especially for young men the like the ideal of masculinity that maybe it presents or vi or the glorification of violence that's on an individual level is where it maybe gets mm -hmm. stickier yeah yeah i think also one of the reasons the political stuff isn't as bothersome to me is because it feels like the movie is essentially about at least in some ways about men living up to their fullest potential like becoming the strongest version of themselves being the ultimate warrior the ultimate king the ultimate lover whatever and it feels like all the political stuff about sparta just serves as a metaphor right. towards that instead of really a political commentary instead on of the other own. way around like when right yeah with that whole introduction scene, for example, it doesn't feel like the movie is saying like, oh, we should do eugenics or we should put our boys through this kind of training. But it's more, I feel that mo at least men watch this more in the sense of I have to kill the weakness in myself, so to say. I have to adopt the, all these, what are framed here as political issues or political structures. I have to frame that or, or translate that into my own personal life or in my own personal lifestyle in some way. So I don't, I think that's why people don't walk out of this movie thinking, oh, we, 
I'm going to throw my son out when he's seven and let him <laughs> yeah, battle yeah. with wolves. Like it's it's kind of a self-help-ish movie in that sense that it seeks to inspire, at least I th- I'm guessing mostly men to become better versions of themselves, or at least that's what it's as- like, right. that's the aspirational part of it that it might, uh, I think Zack Snyder even has expressed that he is really interested in the extremes of the human physique and he's just fascinating like what we can achieve if we push ourselves and you can see that reflected in a bunch of his movies or at least the way he portrays most of his heroes which are these larger than life characters and with especially the men who tend to be very muscular very um supermanish until you know he made the, the literal superman movie that's why the the politics of it all I worry less about because yeah, it, it never feels like a serious political commentary. It doesn't feel like it's, you know, it, it's not depicting all those cultural or political things with a straight face. It's always, it, it always feels like it's a little, it, it always feels like it's in service right. of something else. Like it really wants to say something else. And this is just the kind of set piecing or the set dressing that, or window dressing that, that kind of elevates or heightens the, the message of that other thing about the more of a personal uh, attitude kind right. of um, message, I guess. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think, you know, ultimately for me, I think it's hard to look back on this kind of thing to some extent because I can't separate it from ways in which maybe I would have been caught up in misunderstanding some of these things. Like, I think I think I fell unlike you. I didn't find a safe or comfortable space in which to physically push myself. And some of that had to do with like, you know, chronic illness I I dealt with. And so mm. I think for, for me, there's, there's a space in which if you are, if you internalize these kinds of like, sometimes the hyper focus on strength as a quality that defines healthy or good masculinity, which is is easy to do, I think, depending on what you're looking at, it can mm-hmm. it can take some unsorting to un, untangle that. And so it's not so much a criticism of this movie necessarily, because not every movie that is out there doesn't need to present a holistic view of like what, you know, of becoming a whole human being is. But mm-hmm this movie does represent a certain to me a certain overemphasis on strength as a moral quality that i think like i actually i personally had to do a certain amount of untangling in my own life of understanding like yes that can be important but that's a piece of a larger puzzle being a whole and healthy person and that being physically less Mm -hmm. capable is not intrinsically connected to your value or worth as a human being that probably sounds super obvious to um, hopefully sounds super obvious to a lot of people who are listening to this but i think for a certain percentage of young men especially it's not it's not super obvious and uh so you know that weight the weight of that miscommunication doesn't fall on the shoulders of Zack Snyder's 300. Mm-hmm. But I think it's it's an interesting discussion worth having. This movie is definitely one that kind of taps into that into that vein. So, yeah, mm-hmm. 300 strength is good, but don't I would say like you need a balance of yeah. 
virtue doesn't with... make you a good person yes automatically exactly yeah there's one thing i'll add to that is that it's it's not it doesn't even necessarily make you a healthy person to be to look like spartan like that right. it's like one thing i've learned is that you know, I, I do believe it's it's, it's oh, probably good for your body to be engaged in some kind of movement, to have maybe some basic stimulation for your muscles just to prolong your their usage over as you get older. And the point is that any anything more than that is probably unnecessary for in terms of health. And the better thing you can do if you want to stay healthy in the long run is probably not sit on your butt all day and take a walk every now and then right. maybe do like some like some cardio some light workouts or something like that but anything else you quickly enter into like the realm of vanity and uh needless um and sometimes even like uh counterproductive um body stimulation i guess like there's an obvious issue with extreme sports or even like uh pro sporters who run into um injuries right uh much more than uh and the average uh person who just uh works out casually but um yeah that's going into a whole different terrain of discussion about right. what sports communicate about a healthy lifestyle and that more isn't always better and more extreme definitely isn't always better but yeah i think as far as 300 goes i think it uh, the important lesson there is even though i still very much enjoy the movie and i can the same as with the northman or top gun or, or whatever like movies that communicate ideas of politics that i don't necessarily agree with i can still immerse myself into that more emotional aspect of those stories and then come back out of it inspired in my own personal interpretation of yes. it like for me if i see the spartans fighting against that um tyrannic force in some very romanticized violent way like i for me i always translate it into something practical in my own life like can i use like can i tap into that energy but not use it for destruction and violence but use it to just do something constructive or helpful or stand for a moral ideal that i have in some other way that doesn't involve gruesome violence i guess <laughs> right yeah yeah something we both try to promote with our channels implicitly and explicitly is mm -hmm. a like media literacy and being able mm. to engage with the themes and the subtext and all, everything that's going on in movies. I mean, that's what we talk about here. But I think, and you can disagree with me, but I think, I think you uh, would, would agree that the goal, the goal, if we have one is not to like, is not to be able to go in and label a movie like good, bad, good, bad. And then like mm. the way you, yeah. the way you create a better viewer who engages with stories in a in a healthy, more productive way is not to identify which stories are good and which stories are bad and then avoid the bad ones. It's to make yourself more aware and open to what is happening in each story, what the themes are and what it, what messages it is conveying to you and have mm -hmm. an awareness of those. And then and then you can watch you can watch anything and understand what it's what that thing is trying to communicate to you and so even if you walk into a movie that is you know some kind of fascist propaganda you would be hmm. aware enough of what's going on to pick up on that and dis and be able to discard it or or whatever because yeah. all of these things Just disengage from it yeah. yeah yeah exactly so the goal is not like these movies are bad and like people should avoid them the goal is the goal is to learn how to engage with what these stories are communicating to us on some level 
And sometimes to do that, it's a really, you have to engage with stuff that is in these weird or gray areas, or it can be a really good idea to return to stuff that like did have an effect on you or uh, like we've talked about a lot of stuff like drive that mm -hmm. in our bonus episode about that, that, you know, has a certain kind of influential on your character. Right. Yeah. Yes. And then returning to that later in your life can help you develop more of a sense of maybe like the way in which ideas were communicated to you and how you can see those things differently over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a relational issue, I guess, where you also, it, it's also what allows you to evolve over time and not be stuck with yes. the ideas that you saw in a movie when you were 15. It's, uh, and that's to me is the beauty about movies that you can, you, for every movie like I grow out of, like I, there's also movies that I didn't appreciate when I was young that I connect with now and that's uh, that's what keeps it to me at least it keeps it fresh and engaging or what keeps my passion for stories movies it just uh, keeps it as, as alive as it was uh when i was that younger boy being impressed by 300 in the theater when it came out and i agree with everything you said so just be sure to stay uh, mindful i guess and also do not let discussions like this ruin your enjoyment of a movie that you might have a strong attachment to like don't feel the need to have to defensively react uh, because someone else uh, dislikes or found, finds problematic issues with a movie that you love or that you hold dear because i know yeah. that's not a great feeling to have like to some extent i have it with 300 like i want i love this movie when i was 15 <laughs> i still want to right. I still enjoy it now i still want to enjoy yeah. it now and you know the human heart is conflicted like a lot of movies are conflicted and that's it's fine to sometimes just carry the contradictions and uh, accept yeah. them for what they are and uh, just just enjoy what you enjoy Hopefully, Tom, it doesn't feel too much like I'm just beating up on a a, oh, no. a movie, a childhood movie <laughs> that you love. But I hope these conversations are a good example for people of, like you said, mm -hmm. being able to engage with these ideas, even even in things that we enjoy mm -hmm. and being able to appreciate the enjoyment yeah. that we have of them, but also to be able to engage critically with, yeah. you know, what they're saying and and walk away with the best of both worlds where we can enjoy something for what it is and also not get caught up in you know whatever maybe messages that are in it that take take what we need and discard uh what what we don't thank you all for listening if you enjoy the show be sure to check us out on our creator-owned streaming service nebula where you can experience our podcast ad free listen to all of our episodes a week early and get access to monthly bonus episodes on Nebula, we, for example, covered, among others, 2001 A Space Odyssey, Drive, and Alien Covenant. Right now, the best way to get access to Nebula is by signing up for CuriosityStream, which comes with a free Nebula subscription. To learn more, visit curiositystream.com slash cinemaofmeaning, or just follow the link in the show notes. And we'll see you again next time.